these loudly, um, just so everybody's prepared. Maybe Tom should really be ready to mute me on the mic. Um, but in any case, we'll, we'll hope that doesn't happen. Years ago, I went on a week-long canoeing trip down the Buffalo River in Arkansas. This was my senior year of college. And the day we started, the river had just dropped below flood stage. Many of the rapids were class two or even class three. Now, if you're in a whitewater raft, a class two, class three rapid, it's not really that big a deal. You don't really feel it. In a canoe, it is a totally different experience. My group, which included seven of myself and seven friends, was undeterred. We launched our four canoes into the, into the foaming river, and within about, I think we made it about 100 feet before the first canoe flipped over. And the reason the first canoe flipped over was because the two guys that nobody else wanted to canoe with had been put in a canoe together, and so they immediately flipped over. Now, these guys, they weren't bad guys, they just didn't know how to canoe, so none of the rest of us wanted to be stuck with them for a week. Uh, I ended up taking the worst guy, the worst canoer in my boat, his name was Matt. Uh, he, he's still alive, the story doesn't end that poorly. Um, but he was the least pers capable person in the group. Over the following day, days, me and the other guy in the canoe managed to only flip our boat one additional time. Now we would have ended up in the water more if I weren't constantly reminding him of a basic truth whenever you ride in a canoe. Constantly from the back, I was yelling, Matt, do not grab the sides of the canoe. There's something about the physics of a canoe that when you grab the sides of the canoe, it just automatically wants to flip it over in rough water. So what you have to do is, what you need to do for security is you actually need to hold on to the paddle. The paddle is actually your safety and security when you are in a canoe. In today's verses, Paul is reminding the Corinthians what their paddle is. He is reminding them what they need to hold on to when confronted with worldly challenges. They have let go of their source of Christian security. They need to hold fast to what God has given them. If they don't, they're going to be in for a rough ride with a lot of less than ideal results. With that, if you would please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, we will hear what Paul tells these Corinthians and us that they need to hold on to. Those verses can be found in the Pew Bible, as well as being projected on the screen behind me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, hear the word of the Lord. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, 
that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Amen, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Christians must hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This gospel has implications for our very existence. It is a historical fact, not a matter of opinion or interpretation. Our salvation is dependent on the gospel truth that Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected. Without this truth, we are just flailing around. Eventually, we will end up enveloped by the chaos of this world if we don't hold to the historical gospel. Christians need to be reminded of the gospel periodically. The Corinthians certainly did. Throughout this letter, Paul has been reminding them of the gospel again and again. Way back in verse 2 of chapter 2, Paul had reminded the Corinthians of what he had shared with them when he originally came to them. He says in verse 2, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is a basic proclamation of the gospel. In the chapters following that statement, Paul has returned to the gospel repeatedly proclaiming various aspects of the good news of Jesus Christ. At the end of chapter 2, he says, we have the mind of Christ. In verse 21 of chapter 3, he writes, For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Chapter 6, verse 11 tells us, You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Again, in chapter 10, Paul writes, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Paul references the gospel repeatedly because the Corinthians forget the gospel so frequently. They have a lot of issues. There is sexual immorality and unnecessary lawsuits. They participate in idolatry and turn Christian worship services into frat parties. Every issue, every sin of the Corinthians is a time when they have forgotten the gospel. They are consistently choosing other things in place of the gospel. They are frequently opting for the things of this world. We need to be reminded of the gospel as the Corinthians did. For most of us, a decent amount of time has passed since we first embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most of us were born in Christian homes. We learned what Christianity was about from a young age, from our parents, or 
Maybe we were informed by a Sunday school teacher or a youth worker. If you became a Christian as a child, that means decades have passed. A few here became Christians in adulthood. This is more unusual, but by God's grace, it does happen. Even for those here who became Christians later in life, that was probably still a ways back. In the years between when we heard the gospel and today, we don't so much forget the content of the gospel as we forget to apply the gospel to our present lives. Every time we sin, we are forgetting to apply the gospel intentionally or unintentionally. Sin is choosing something else over and above the love and truth of God expressed in Jesus Christ. Now, this is a, it's a totally bizarre thing to do. All the things we might choose over the gospel are trash. They will not satisfy in the ways we expect them to. Worse, they will destroy our lives. Although the speed with which various sins destroy us varies. Sin is a rejection of the gospel, which is the source of our salvation in favor of something that cannot save us. Every decision to sin is choosing death instead of life. Back when I was a nurse, I often had patients that would forget to take their medication. It wasn't that they didn't know what their medications did or even that they didn't believe in their medications. They would just get caught up with other things. You know what I never had a patient forget about? I never had a patient that was a smoker forget about cigarettes. The gospel is like a medication whereas sin is like Cigarettes. Both sin and cigarettes make you feel good in the short term, but they, they kill you in the long term. Medications and the gospel both sustain your life, but the impact isn't always super noticeable in the present moment. Christians are to hold fast to the gospel. The gospel is the only source of our salvation. There is no other means by which we can be saved. There's nothing in this world that can save us. This world offers plenty of sources of salvation. Money, fame, and scientific progress are all looked to. None of these things can save us. All they can really do is distract us. The things of this world can't save us. Neither can we save ourselves. One of the greatest lies that humanity periodically tells itself is that we can save ourselves. That if we try really hard, that if we look down deep inside and, and we really focus and we really dig down, that we can do it. There was an element of this sort of thinking among the Corinthians, but, but we can't do it. Jesus Christ is our salvation. He is the gospel. 
Peter makes this clear in Acts chapter 4 when he speaks in front of the Jewish leadership. He says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we can be saved. In Philippians 2, Paul writes, God has highly exalted and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When some people read verse 2 of today's text, they are not comforted by the idea that salvation comes through Jesus Christ. Instead, they are disturbed by the if in the middle of the verse. Referring to the gospel, Paul writes, by which you are being saved, if, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. There is a reading of this verse that introduces a high degree of doubt. You are being saved by Jesus if you hold fast. What does holding fast mean? Does it mean having faith? If so, what if I have doubt? Is the security of my salvation contingent upon how well I hold fast, how consistently I practice my faith? Paul is introducing an argument he is going to expound upon later. The belief of the Corinthians, the beliefs of the Corinthians are inconsistent with the gospel Paul originally preached to them. He's not saying Their ultimate salvation is dependent on how well they hold fast through their own faith. Paul is saying what he has preached to them is the only true source of salvation. If they believe other things, they are indicating the gospel that Paul preached to them was always a lie, that they believed in error. A lot of Christians' confusion about what Paul is saying about being saved and holding fast is a result of how we understand any references to salvation. When a person says they are saved, we interpret this as a proclamation about where they will spend eternity. In verse 2, Paul doesn't say, by which you were saved— He says, by which you are being saved. Being saved is future tense. Paul already said in verse 1 that the Corinthians received and stand in the gospel. Received is in the past tense. Stand in the gospel is in the present tense. The future tense of being saved does not deny what has happened or what is true in the present. It looks forward to the continuing unfolding of salvation, both in eternity and in the remainder of Christians' earthly lives. Those Christians who don't hold fast to the gospel will lose out on the progressive work of the gospel moving forward. This is just what is happening with the Corinthians. Corinthians. 
So some of you are probably thinking, this is kind of confusing. There's all these different verbal senses. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to use an analogy here. Each summer, when my family travels down to Tennessee, we typically spend time with family. And one of the things we like to do is we like to go to the lake. One of my brother-in-laws has a, a ski boat and he has a tube he can pull behind it. And so that's one of the things the kids will do. They'll ride on the tube behind, behind the boat. And one of my brother-in-law's favorite activities is to try to, try to throw the kids off the tube, right? That's, that's the hobby or whatever. And the kids have one job. The kids' one job is to hold on to the tube, okay? If they let go, they stop moving forward. They float aimlessly in the lake until my brother-in-law pulls back around to pick them up again. But you know what's never happened? My brother-in-law has never said, they fell off the tube. We're just gonna leave them out there, right? <laughs> it's never happened. He's acted like he's gonna do it, but he's never done it. Now, this analogy is imperfect, but in the same way, the gospel that we hold on to, when we let go of it, it does, it does affect our forward momentum. It does affect our progress. But God, Jesus Christ as Lord, doesn't just leave us to, to our own devices. He doesn't just leave us in the middle of the lake. To progress, we need to hold on, but our ultimate salvation is not dependent on us, but Jesus Christ, he is the ultimate guarantee of our salvation. The gospel is not a matter of opinion, but a historical fact. Paul originally made known to the Corinthians the gospel he received. These are the facts of the gospel. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. Good history lets those that come later know not just what happened, but why it happened. That Jesus died on the cross is not hotly debated. Why he died on the cross is he died for our sins in fulfillment of the Old Testament promises and prophecies. He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Jesus Burial and resurrection are historical facts as well. This was also in accordance with what God had previously indicated would happen. The historical truth of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was testified to by many eyewitnesses. Paul mentions Cephas, who we know as Peter, and the Twelve. He is referring to the gospel stories of Jesus' resurrection although those accounts may not have even been written down yet. He also mentions that Jesus appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Paul is writing to the Corinthians 20 to 25 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. He is pointing out that you can still find plenty of people that witness firsthand the historical events that are the basis for the gospel. Christianity is not an ethical system, an esoteric philosophy, or an ethnic identity. Christianity cannot be separated from the historical gospel of Jesus Christ and what he did. Efforts to separate Christianity from history 
are common. If Jesus didn't actually live, die on the cross, and arise from the grave, then much of what Christianity teaches doesn't need to be taken seriously. Normally, those that deny the historical accuracy of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection also like to pick and choose what aspects of what the Bible teaches are binding. If the history of Jesus were actually made up, it would not be binding. Christianity would just be a myth. Myths can change over time. History can't. The historical veracity of Jesus means that he is who the Bible claims he is, not just in the past, but in the present and the future. That means he is the risen Lord. That means that anyone that truly wants to know God must know Jesus. We need to be reminded of the historical truth of the gospel. Our tendency is to make our own gospel. That is just what is happening with the Corinthians. They have strayed from the gospel of Jesus Christ in favor of gospels of their own creation. But there is no other gospel other than that of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation of all Christian belief. When you boil it down to its essence, Christianity is really very simple. Jesus Christ came into the world, was crucified, buried, and resurrected. He now reigns as Lord. Hold fast to the gospel. There is no other source of salvation. When life gets hard or when life gets easy, we may be tempted to set the gospel aside. The world offers innumerable false gospels. People are pretty good at coming up with their own gospels. Nothing besides the gospel of Jesus Christ can be trusted. If we are not holding tightly to the gospel, the outcome is going to be bad. We are not going to go the direction we need to go. The currents of this world will take us where we shouldn't go. The rapids of this world will flip us over and turn us around. It is only through the historical truth of Jesus Christ that we have salvation. This is the salvation we receive, stand in, and through which we are being saved. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This is the gospel we are to hold fast to. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we live in a time of, of tremendous blessing in so many ways, Lord. Um, there is a lot of stability despite recent issues and travails, Lord. There's a lot of wealth. There's a lot of comfort, Lord. Um, and, and there are also a lot of challenges. And for different people in this room, we're all tempted to rely on gospels other than that of Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray that we would cling to you. I pray that we would hold fast to the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.